chickens and your savings and your chickens and your savings. Young millionaires and trainers and trainers. Young millionaires and trainers. Young millionaires and trainers. All right, and we are back for part two of the YMIT mindset and breaking it down and kind of going over to how you start to change and adjust that mindset over time. Before we kind of get into it, because we got a lot of information to cover, this might actually spring over to a part three. We'll kind of see, but before we get into it, I just wanted to thank my wife. She's been doing a whole lot for me as far as giving me time to record and do different things and help me out with the podcast. So I'm really appreciative of her. Thanks, sweetie, for that. Also want to give a shout out to everybody that's been listening. I received uh, a ton of feedback positive ton of even some criticism that i appreciate actually like i said this is what episode four <laughs> so you know i'm brand new to podcasting you know i've operated in the financial world but i'm brand new to podcasting so it's been great and a great help and i appreciate you all just taking time because i know you're taking literal time out of your day to listen to the podcast so i appreciate that now kind of jumping into it the young millionaire and training mindset to kind of recap a little bit Keep in mind, your mindset is what your perception is based on or your perception is based on your mindset, should I say. And then your mindset is an established set of attitudes. Okay, it's a set of established attitudes. That mindset functions heavily off of your subconscious. Now, we talked about in part one, some of the things that go into creating your subconscious and being aged, you know, getting built up to your age seven. So make sure you go back, listen to part one. Get caught up on the subconscious if you haven't already. Also, in part one, I mentioned that you may need to change your environment. Now, with that being said, changing your environment is not enough. Have you ever heard the statement, you can take a person out the hood, but you can't take the hood out the person? That's because a lot of times many of those hood lessons are so embedded into the person or people from poverty stricken areas or whatever kind of area it doesn't just have to be the hood but we just you kind of using that as an example um, kind of talking to the community a little bit but those things are so deeply rooted into the subconscious of the person that even when you change their environment they can't let go of certain pieces of that previous environment because it's just so embedded into the subconscious so today what we're going to talk about is How do you actually adjust your subconscious and change so that you can change your mindset overall? So there are two basic main ways in which you change your subconscious. Number one, the first way is through shock. In part one, if you remember, I mentioned about driving a car and you drive the car very heavily from your subconscious. But think about what goes on when you see brake lights. It literally takes red flashing lights to flip your subconscious off and flip your consciousness on that's part of the reason to get your attention so that shock you need something like literally those red flashing lights in your life that get your attention to make you switch over and do something a little bit different you see that those red flashing lights you're like oh wow i need to stop and that's what shock is so that could be things like traumatic injuries or extremely abnormal situations some of the ones that you can kind of look at death of loved ones or or even near-death experiences that you go through so i want to share some stories with you about me from kind of over the last almost two years really since the onset of COVID. so the first part of the story and they kind of actually run together was COVID kind of kicked off Officially here in the United States, at least as far as I'm concerned, kind of early March, late February, early March. During that time, March 22nd, that morning, I was actually working on some homework and 
I was talking, my dad called one of these things. I have not actually said this out loud previously, really on a, on a large scale. I said it to some people close to me, but like I told you all, I want to be very transparent. And I'm talking about how to, how these traumatic things can really attack your mindset. And we're getting to the money, but we need to understand the things that help you get to them. So that morning, my dad called me. I was working on a paper because most of you all know I just finished uh, my financial project manager master's, my MBA. I just finished that last year, the end of last year. So I was working on that at the time when my dad died. So he called me that morning on his way to work. And if you know anything about me and my dad, kind of what I mentioned in the origin episode, we always talked a whole lot about money. Even our very last conversation, it was about money. He was talking about owing some money to the IRS and he was calling me because he wanted to kind of game plan what he wanted to do and how to kind of go about it. So he always liked to run those things by me and we always ran them past each other, but he ran them by me. However, because I wasn't, I was doing my homework. I wasn't fully paying attention to it. You know how you kind of do it? Like, yeah, dad, because you it's just another day. He always called me on the way to work. That wasn't anything new or abnormal. So he called me. So I was halfway paying attention. We had a good conversation, nothing wrong, but I was not fully engaged in that conversation. Later that same afternoon, I get the phone call from my sister telling me to come to the hospital because dad had been in a car accident. And he actually ended up dying from a heart attack. That shock of him dying started changing my mindset and my subconscious in the way that I did things. So now just to kind of give you one quick example of that. Now I always make sure to take time when I'm on the phone with people who are important to me and make sure I'm fully listening. Even if it just seems like another day is not even about anything, really, I make sure to take time. My mom, she lives in North Carolina, but I talk to my mom every morning on my way to work or when I'm dropping my daughter off, I talk to her every morning. And I make sure that I'm fully engaged when I talk to her. Of course, I'm driving, but, you know, I make sure I'm not texting, which you shouldn't be texting and driving anyway. But make sure I'm not texting or engaged in other conversations or whatever. And make sure that you're really taking that time. Because I often think back to how I would have handled it differently if I would have known that was the last time that I was going to talk to my dad. So the reason why that's so important, because I talk about you change that subconscious. My subconscious was previously set up to always try to multitask, especially when I'm seeking talking to people. You know, I'm talking, but hey, let's multitask. Let's do this because I need to make the best of my time. But I had that traumatic death of my father in the way that it happened made me not only changed my mindset on how I have conversations with people, it actually made me start to reevaluate me and who I was as a person. So I was always money, 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 money. And my dad, same way, money, 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 money. And so after he was gone, I went through this period of time where I didn't even like talking about finances. So if you've been with me, if you know me personally, or you've been with me through the podcast, I've talked about how I've been this money mic guy since I was 18. So you're talking the better part of a decade, a decade and a half, where most of my conversation is about money. After my dad passed, because it was something that was so tied to him in my mind and in my subconscious, it was very difficult for me to talk about money and finances. You know, which makes working extremely hard or in my industry being that I work in finances because so many things would just remind me of him. And don't get me wrong. People ask me, I would talk about it. But used to or before that, I was just able to just I come up with it off the top of my head. It just come out of nowhere. And this actually kicked off me kind of taking an 18 month hiatus on even talking about finances and money. So until I got ready to bring this podcast out, I was actually almost 
inactive on social media. Prior to that, I was very active in the financial space on social media. I did. And prior to COVID too, COVID did have play a large role in that, but I would have seminars, webinars about the stock market, credit, buying a home. I would do all these different things. But after my dad died, that traumatic shock hit my subconscious and my subconscious was not functioning in the way of effectively talking about finances. That really changed a lot for me on that. Then, so that was March of 2020. So moving into May of 2020, I personally got sick, had a pulmonary embolism. I was already going through a rough time in my life, just kind of dealing with my dad and all the different feelings. And I was kind of at a place where I was like, you know, what what could possibly be worse than my dad dying? Well, the one thing that could potentially be worse is me dying as far as in my particular life. And they still have no idea what was going on. But that was another very traumatic situation with my pulmonary embolism that caused me. I'm I'm actually going to share something all with you all. So day when I decided to finally go to the hospital, because I was sick for like 10 or 12 days. But this was at the onset of COVID. So my doctor thought it was COVID. So they just kind of told me to, you know, kind of hang out. But I wasn't getting any better. The day that my wife ended up taking me to the hospital, she had left the house. She had to go run some errands and I had to go to the restroom. I was having such a hard time breathing going to the restroom that it took me 40 minutes to go to the restroom and back just to just to take a quick little leak or whatever. In that moment, I got back and I seen that my wife had called me while I was going because I was in such pain and couldn't breathe and it was struggling so bad. I left my phone on the bed and it was, like I said, I was gone for 40 minutes and she was checking on me constantly because I was so sick. So I get back to the bed and I called her. And I was out of breath and I couldn't really talk. And I'm like I said, this is the first time I've shared this publicly with anybody really outside of my circle. So in that moment, I was like, babe, I just need to call you back. I hung up the phone and I had this very euphoric feeling that kind of came over me. It was a moment of peace, but that was the closest to feeling like I was about to die. But it wasn't like a scared feeling. It was that's why I say euphoric. It was a feeling of almost acceptance, if you will. And in that moment. I remember going through and I was like, man, I'm about to die. I haven't got my Lambo yet. Yeah, y'all know I like lambs. Anyway, I haven't got my Lambo yet. I haven't got this yet. I haven't got that yet. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I don't know if I passed out or went to sleep for about 10 minutes. Then finally woke back up, called my wife back, told her what happened. And then that's when she, she immediately rushed home, took me to the hospital. And that's when they found out I had the pulmonary embolism. Still to this day, no medically explained reason for why I had it. I have my own personal thoughts on why it happened. But, you know, we can we can kind of talk about some of those things offline because I never had COVID to this day. Knock on wood. But it's really just it, it was traumatic. And so I remember reflecting back on that moment. And once again, that that shock factor changed my perception of the way that my life was going. And. I realized that I had to let go of a lot of fear that I had. So a lot of times when trying to make it, I realized that I had all the knowledge in the world on how to get rich or how to do these things. But the piece that I was lacking was my ability to break past my subconscious and the fears that I had inside of my subconscious. But the shock, these two traumatic instances that I had back to back helped me break through because I really had to accept the fact that I'm not always going to be here and I cannot continue to keep procrastinating and waiting until the right time or what I consider to be the right time. So that's how that shock broke my subconscious. Now, with that being said, this is the problem with shock changes when it comes to subconscious. 
You can't control it. You can't control when a shock factor is going to happen. So that brings us to the second way. The second way is through repetition. What's repetition? That's making the decision to repeatedly do something, create or break a habit. I actually want to read that again. So repetition is making a decision to repeatedly do something until you create or break a habit. This is where positive affirmations start to come into play. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But I wanted to bring that up right now. Young Millionaire Training actually started as an affirmation for me when I was young, yet it evolved into an entire brand movement and a lifestyle for me. It initially started because I would look in the mirror every day and be like, you're a young millionaire in training. You're already a millionaire in the grand scheme of things. Your bank account just don't know it yet. You just in training. You know, you're nothing different than you went and got a job and you're a manager in training. Yeah, you're a manager, but you're still kind of learning how to do it. Yeah, you get in there. You don't you're not exactly a manager, but you a manager as far as anybody's concerned. You're just getting your training. And that's how that affirmation turned into me. And I started creating those affirmations. So it's two schools of thoughts about when habits are formed. So you may have heard the one about 21 days and then 66 days. So 21 days by all scientific journals or scientific research is a bit of a myth. I first saw it kind of circling through social media in 2013. I think somebody said Oprah said, I don't know if that's true, but that's what I heard. Somebody said Oprah said it, that it takes 21 days of repeated behavior to break a habit. So that's one school of thought. Um, that many people live by I've done things for 21 days and then broke the habit so I kind of feel like it's a myth the second school of thought however and this one's according to the University of Southern California psychology professor Wendy Woods she said it depends heavily upon the person as well as the complexity of behavior and in one recent study that was done in 2018 by the European Journal of Social Psychology of the University of London it takes an average of about 66 days to break a habit so a little over two months So let's stop right here. I want you to sit down if you're not driving. If you're somewhere safe and you have time, pull out a sheet of paper, pause it, take a few minutes and say, what are some habits in your life that you either need to break or that you need to create? Just sit down. Think of those three habits that you do. Kind of give you some examples. Are you are impulse not borrowing money from yourself? I really want to address that one. So before you pause, I want to address that one. A habit. I'm so tired of people borrowing money from themselves and saying, oh, man, I'm just going to transfer it over from my checking account or from my savings account to my checking, back to my checking and savings. And I pay myself back when I get paid. You already know that you have bad credit. You don't pay anybody back. Stop borrowing money from yourself knowing you're not going to pay it back. Stop lying to yourself. OK, your credit is bad. You know, your credit is bad. You know you don't pay anybody back, including yourself. Now, if you want to jump back to the last episode and part one where I talked about paying yourself first, maybe you can try to do that. But paying yourself back, if you know you got one of these oven temperature credit credit scores, and by oven temperature credit scores, we talking if your credit score is actually can be found on one of the little stove dials, you need to let that preheat a little bit before you start applying for things and borrowing money from yourself, okay? All right, now anyway, take a pause, give me a couple more habits, and then we'll come right back to it. Okay, so now that you're back, you had a chance to do a couple of your habits. Let's talk about a few other items that you can potentially do. Let's start small. 
Okay, let's start small. Let's do something as simple as for the next 66 days, I won't call myself broke in any form. And that may sound easier said than done, but think about how many times you call yourself broke. Hey, you want to go over there? Nah, I'm broke. You got to start your 66 days over just like that. Nah, I can't do that right now. I'm broke. Think about how many times you think of yourself as broke. That change has to start in your mind before it can start in the real world. It has to start up here. That's why that mindset is so important. That's why I'm taking so much time on it because it has to start here. If your mindset is jacked up, you will never, never be able to get ahead. Or even if you do, you'll never be able to maintain it. Let me say that again. If your mindset is messed up, you will never be able to get ahead. Or if you do happen to luck into getting ahead, you will never be able to maintain it. So it's really important that you start small. And when I say start small, it can be things just as simple as you're going to commit to reading a financial article every day, one financial article. Or better yet, you're going to commit to listening to five or ten minutes of Young Millionaire and training content every day to make sure that you are remaining in that financial mindset and in that financial direction that you are anticipating and wanting to go in on that. So kind of transitioning now. Because we got that piece. Since we're starting in the mind, we have to start by telling our subconscious what to think. And so what I want to do now is go back to the affirmation I talked about. And you have to tell your subconscious mind what to think. Okay. A few of my daily practices and affirmations. So number one, and this one is important. This one's super important. You always start your day on a positive note. So for me personally, before I check any text messages, notifications, email, anything that could possibly give me some bad news. The first thing I personally do is I actually open up my Bible app and read a scripture. Whatever the daily scripture is, I read that just because it puts my brain in a positive place. Number one, starting out. Also, kind of pro tip on that. The Bible app, or at least the one on iPhone, it actually tells you how many days in a row you've read the Bible where you opened the app. So you're trying to break that habit, it actually time it for you right there. Now, number two, the next thing I like to do, you find three things that you can be grateful for and thankful for. No matter how big, no matter how small they are, you find three things you can be grateful for. What this does is it helps to keep your mind focused on what you do have instead of what you don't have. Number three, affirmations like we talked about before. You do a few of these each day, okay? These are just a couple of mine I share with you. I'm master of my domain. You look in the mirror, you look right at yourself, have that conversation with yourself in the mirror. I'm master of my domain. I'm already a success. Anything after the day is just icing on the cake. Success is not always measured by a dollar number. It can be measured by impact. For instance... In my career as a mortgage banker, sometimes I lost track of the fact that many people's biggest goal and biggest purchase in their life was to buy a home that they could own. And I could help anywhere from 55 to 100 people a year do that. And it kind of turns into just numbers, but that's literally 55 to 100 families that I'm impacting in a way they can have a place to call their own, a place to grow up, a place to raise a family, a place to spend time with their family. Like those are all impactful things. Imagine helping one person accomplish the biggest goal of their life. And I literally could do it from 55 to 100 people. You're already a success at that point, regardless of what the dollar amount may say. Okay. So 
tell yourself, I'm already a success. The next one, I will give 100% effort 100% of the time. As long as I do this, I'll be able to accept the outcome. So we'll talk about the serenity prayers. The prayer that I will control the things I can control and the things I cannot control, I will be able to accept that. And that I know the difference between the two. And so for me, I always make sure I give 100% effort. If I'm not giving 100% effort, then I can't be mad if it doesn't come out the way I want it to. If I give 100% effort and it still doesn't necessarily turn out favorable, I'm willing to accept that because that's probably how it was meant to turn out. So that's just three of my personal affirmations that I use that you can apply to your life. But you should think of three. Think of three affirmations that can apply to your life and apply to your goals and start reciting those, okay, and into your subconscious. So homework assignment, again, is to think of three affirmations that apply to your life and your goals and start reciting those daily until you can get them into your subconscious. Number four, prayer and meditation. This was actually a fairly recent one that I came across, a new understanding of prayer and meditation. Now, not to get super religious on it, and not that I have a problem getting religious. You know, I love the Lord and I'm a practicing Christian, all that good stuff. But that's not what this one particularly is about. So prayer and meditation, prayer and or meditation. So you know how growing up, if you went to church, you go in there for prayer meeting and you go to pray and you start falling asleep. <laughs> you're supposed to be quiet and you just you fall asleep. Same thing with meditation. Your mind start wondering or you fall asleep or whatever comes up. So what I actually started learning or a realization that I came to last year as I started meditating. Well, I actually started meditating when I was recovering from my pulmonary embolism because it actually helped with me breathing to heal again. But what I learned about meditation it's not just about, you know, clearing your mind and that like that's all good, but it's actually about gaining control over your mind. So let me say that again. Meditation is about gaining control over your mind. So if you're trying to adjust your subconscious and your mindset, you need to be in control of those things. So let me explain how that kind of works. As you meditate more and learn how to focus on your breath instead of the things around you, what that does is start to strengthen your mind and allow you to control your mind whenever negative situations come up. So let's kind of think about that. So if you can start out 30 seconds, you're like, hey, you inhale, you exhale, you inhale, you exhale. You do that and you only focus on that inhaling and exhaling for 30 seconds without letting your mind wander at all. Like you literally can say it out loud. Inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. Literally say it out loud for 30 seconds until you can focus on nothing but your breath and you're meditating without your mind wandering. Over time, kind of like when you're working out and you're trying to get in better shape. Over time, what ends up happening? You first you start running out half a mile, then a mile, then two miles, then three miles, and so on and so on. So with meditation, you start 30 seconds, 45 seconds, a minute. Over time, what that allows for, you're gaining more control of your mind and keeping it focused. So whenever something happens to you, you're able to reel your mind in because you have that control over your mind. And same thing with prayer, because it's very similar. Obviously, you know, you may be having a conversation or whatever the case may be, but it's about being able to focus on what it is that you're doing for a long period of time. So as you strengthen your ability to control your mind, you will strengthen your ability to control your mindset. Okay. 
So kind of the next one, number five in the last step, you actually repeat number two and then number one, but you do that at night. So you find three positive things that happen during the day, no matter how big or small. Then finally, before bed, find something positive to close the night out on. Like if you want to read the scripture, you can do that. Whatever you can do, find something positive to close the night out on. So next in the mindset training is bringing the concepts and affirmations into a real world manifested action. So this one is super important. Motivation versus discipline. Motivation is your internal reasoning for wanting to accomplish something. Discipline is directly tied to the amount of effort you are willing to put into accomplishing a goal. Okay, so you may be motivated and you may be disciplined, but you need to understand those are two separate things, but they have to work together and feed off of each other in order for you to reach your goal. So motivation plus discipline equals accomplished goals. Okay, to put that in other terms, whatever your why is, so those motivations, whatever your why is, plus how much effort and how much resilience you're willing to have towards that effort equals you being able to accomplish whatever it is that you want to accomplish. Okay, let's say that again. Motivation versus discipline work together. Motivation plus discipline equals accomplished goals. What this means, your wise plus how much effort you're willing to put into things equal you being able to accomplish whatever you're trying to accomplish. So in 2019, my homie Jeremy McZeal, I'm probably going to have him on the show so he can explain this concept a little bit more in depth, but I kind of want to touch on it in the mindset episode. So the concept is called trying versus executing. At some point, you have to get out of trying and start executing, okay? The basis of the theory is trying is you pretty much just winging it, okay? You're just winging it. You don't have any real direction. The effort is not necessarily tied to the motivation or the discipline. You may be motivated, kind of give you an idea. Man, I'm trying to make a million dollars out here. Trying to make a million dollars or what? Or you hear people, man, I wish I could get rich. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. But they don't have a plan. They, they go into work. Their actions don't really match their goals. That's trying, but you're not really doing anything. And trying, you might look up and fall into it. But like I told you before, if that mindset's messed up, even if you fall into it, you won't be able to maintain it. Execution, however, that's when you have a very clear vision on what you would like to accomplish. And it's often tied directly to your motivations and fueled by your discipline. Okay, so executing is when you have a very clear vision that you know exactly what you want to accomplish. And it's often tied directly to your motivations and fueled by your discipline. I want you to hear that one more time. Okay, execution is having a very clear focus on what you're trying to accomplish and that execution is often tied to your motivation and that execution is often tied to your discipline. So when you're executing, we got a plan. This is what we're going to do. Even if the plan doesn't work properly like you want it to, you're still prepared for that. OK, you're prepared to go a different direction. And that's that biggest difference between trying and executing when you're just trying and something comes up you're probably going to quit when you're executing and something comes up that was already a part of the plan so now you can keep going which actually brings us to our final and the most difficult part 
of mindset. How to maintain a positive mindset when you fail. So understand this. And then some people say overstand it. So you can understand it, overstand it, get some revelation, do what it don't matter. Do whatever you want to do. But understand this. A few things are guaranteed to happen during your journey, especially your financial journey. If you're going to go into the entrepreneurial realm or investing, whatever it may be, the only guarantee that you can have or one of the few guarantees that you can have is that you will fail at something. So I talk about me a little bit to date. I've had two failed business partnerships, multiple failed relationships, both romantic and regular friendships. I've personally had three businesses that have failed or gone bankrupt or just shut down or whatever you want to call it. Personally, I've been fired from a job before. I quit jobs because I've no longer felt fulfilled. I often say things like when it comes to that one, you know, the fish got too big for the pond or the dog got too big for the cage. So it was time for me to move on. But Those things are inevitable on your journey. It's never going to just be all sunshines and roses. Also, it's important for you to know on your investment journey, you will lose some money while investing. Of course, we learn how to mitigate those risks of you losing money so that you can uh, minimize those losses. But at some point, you're going to lose. I actually want to share with you the story of the first ever day that I went live day trading. It was something I learned how to do a few years ago. Took some classes on day trading. It was great. It was fun. Now, granted, I did end up being successful for it, but I had to quit due to some outside circumstances. But anywho, let's kind of kind of stay on topic here. I got what's called a paper account. So when I teach people the stock market, we often will start out on what's called a paper account. Paper money just means it's fake money, but it's still based on the real market. TD Ameritrade has a platform for that where you can go in there. They give you $100,000 of fake money and you can go in there and make live trades just like you could in the stock market. And by you going through and doing those live trades, it gives you a chance to practice at the stock market without actually losing money. So I had a paper account. A paper trading account. I was practicing for a couple of months. I felt like I was ready, ready to go, get started. There was one major difference that stuck out that I was not aware of from the paper trading to a live trading. So essentially, really short, essentially on in the stock market, whenever you buy something in the stock market, you're buying it from another person or another entity. And When you sell it, you're selling it to another person or another entity. So you always have to have a buyer and a seller. Even if you have 100 shares of stock that you're trying to sell, it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody wants to buy 100 at a certain price. Okay, and we'll go into some of these concepts at a later time. So just kind of just kind of stick with me here. Think about when you used to see people running around on the stock market and essentially what they're doing hey i got this i got this hey this person got fired they want to sell anybody want to buy it for this price like that's essentially what they were doing at the stock market so when you pay on the paper trading account they don't take into consideration that there may not be a seller or a buyer available so when you trade with fake money you could just go in there you be like hey i got a thousand shares i want to sell a thousand and the system lets it go through it whatever the price currently is on the market Now, when you get on the real trade account and in the real stock market with real money, there has to actually be a buyer. So first day out, 15 minutes into me trading on my first day, I'm ready. I'm super excited. The stock I chose started tanking. I want to pause right there before I answer. So this is the number one thing that's really super important for people to understand. So investing. It's easy to know what to get into. You know, like people here, you talking about AMC, GameStop. 
the knowledge in investing doesn't come on knowing what to buy. It's knowing how and when to get out of it properly. That's where the knowledge comes in. You can turn on CNN at any time and they were like, hey, this going to the moon. You know to buy. But what you don't know is how do I know when to sell? That's when the knowledge piece comes in. Okay, so always remember that. So your question should not be, should I buy this? Your question should be, how do I know when to sell it if I do buy it? Okay, now, anyway, back back to the story. So I knew when to sell it. The problem was other people also knew not to buy it at that same point. So I had bought these all these shares. Nobody wanted to buy them. Meanwhile, I see my number going down. I'm in the negative by 100. I'm in the negative by 300. I'm in the negative by 700. I'm in the negative by 800. I get all the way down to 1800 before my, my order finally, somebody finally accepts my order. I lost 1800 in the first 15 minutes that I got in the stock market. This is where that resilience comes in. I could have just quit and be like, yep, this is not for me. Nope, not for me. But when you know and accept that failure is going to come, it leaves you to ask the question of how do I get up when you keep falling? My homie, Carlos Ty, I'm going to shout him out of Undeniable Group. He always says you have to stay undeniable. And I always love that. Like Ty, he's going to tell you, that brother is undeniable and is going to be undeniable. You have to be undeniable in all of your pursuits. You just can't take no for an answer. If you got breath in your body, you have to keep going. Like you have to keep going if you have breath in your body. So in this stage, that's when that discipline piece, so your efforts, actually start to pull your motivation along. So the motivation, all those whys for my family because I wanted to do this or I want to have more time or whatever it may be. When it comes to being undeniable, your discipline needs to bring your motivation along. Okay, let's say that again. When it comes to being undeniable, your discipline has to pull your motivation along. Okay, so to maintain your positive mindset, there are a few things I want you to keep in mind. And we're going to kind of wrap up after this one. So number one, time heals all wounds, but it may not be in your schedule. And that was actually a quote by Humble the Poet. So we hear time heals all things or time heals all wounds. And it does, but that doesn't mean it's going to be on the schedule of when you wanted it healed. Okay. Number two, many of your problems are really first world problems. Okay. If you're not homeless, you're not hungry, you're not hurt, you're not injured or about to die. Many things are really not that serious. Okay, and don't get me wrong, not to downplay things or downplay people's lives, but remember, stay grounded, like always stay grounded because you just start to realize, like I told you, I'm laying there on my my what could have been my deathbed talking about why I don't have a Lambo like like we don't have a <laughs> luxury cars or different things sitting outside. Yeah, it's not a Lambo, but, it, you know. Stay grounded. I had lost that groundedness. So those are the kind of things that get you to give up when you're not when you're no longer grounded. It's very easy for you to fall and not be able to get back up. Next, you can only operate in the present. So don't worship the past and don't worship the future or don't dwell in the past and don't worship the future. You can only operate right here in this moment right now. When an issue arises, you sit and say, what are my options? These are my options. I can do this, this is a potential outcome, or I can do that. 
I get that that can sometimes be easier said than done. But at the end of the day, that's what has to happen. What options do I have and how can I address it? Speaking of the options and figuring out your options and how to address them. Whatever situation you are in, you need all of your brain power to get out. So you don't have any to waste on stressing about the situation. You need your full brain to figure out how to fix whatever you go, whatever you got going on. So you don't have time to sit here and stress and cry about it because you're using up brain power that you could be using to actually just fix the situation. And then finally, and probably the most important, although we would always like to be happy and ascribe to be happy, life is truly about experiencing all of your different emotions. Can you truly be happy if you've never been sad? Or how do you calm yourself or manage to stay calm or know that you're calm if you've never been angry? Life teaches us how to manage all of these different emotions. It's actually a joy and a pleasure to be able to go through and have all of these different emotions. Because you sit back and think about sometimes when people die, do you think that they would come back if they knew, yeah, I can come back but they're always going to be angry or yeah, I can come back, but I'm always going to be sad. They just might. We don't know. We don't know that for certain, but just kind of think about that. You have to go through all these different emotions. Happy is not the only emotion that you have, but that's why you can appreciate happy so much because you've experienced those other emotions without experiencing those other emotions. You can't even appreciate happy. And so once you learn how to control your emotions you can then learn how to control your mindset. And through trying to control those emotions, you have to just really ask yourself one question. Are you a person with emotions or do your emotions have a person? Who's in control? Are you in control or are your emotions in control? So are you a person with emotions or do your emotions have a person? And that's what you really have to ask yourself. So just kind of a brief little recap, then we're going to get out of here. I was able to get it done in two parts, fortunately, so that, that's good. I thought I was going to run into three, but quick little recap here. So your mindset is an established set of attitudes, heavily influenced through your subconscious. You want to change the subconscious in order to change your mindset. You change your mindset through either shock or repetition. It starts in your mind with something as simple as affirmations, then connecting your motivations with your discipline, and finally building that resilience and that undeniable mentality. So this officially ends the mindset portion as far as the podcast goes. But I want this to begin your journey of building your mindset so that you can accomplish those goals in the way that you want. And we'll touch on mindset throughout the process. I can guarantee you that. But if you have questions, concerns, or just want to talk on how you address the mindset, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Young Millionaire in Training, Instagram, Young underscore Millionaire underscore N underscore Training, TikTok, YMIT underscore Mindset. You can actually email me if you want, MRYMIT12 at gmail.com, Mr. YMIT12 at gmail.com. They're on that. Uh, make sure you join our free Facebook group on Facebook, Young Millionaire and Training Financial Tips. And finally, make sure you subscribe. And if you think these last two episodes especially could help somebody or assist somebody, make sure to send it to them. It could be super important. It could save somebody's life. And I always want to do whatever I can to help. So 
until we talk about it again, because we're going to be going to the next step of the nine steps, which is insurance and getting all your necessary insurance on the next episode. But until then, start working on those affirmations. And y'all will hear from me soon. Have a good one.